Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned on the fasten seatbelt sign. You are listening to Radio 815. I am your co-host, Matt Crandall, here with Marcelo Inestroza as we take off on Oceanic Flight A15, continuing our lost journey. Today we are looking at episodes 3, 4, and 5 of Season 1 of Lost. Basically, going forward, we're going to focus on just a few episodes per podcast, because what this whole thing is about, you know, the JJ universe, the the bad robot extended universe. But what we want to get into is sort of the the meat of the characters and our emotions watching the show, our memories watching the show, not necessarily the trivia and the facts, but the heart of the matter. And starting with episode three of season one, Tabula Rasa, written by Damon Lindelof, directed by Jack Bender. This is the episode that, obviously, after all of the breadcrumbs that were dropped in the pilot to get people interested, starts to to show what the show is actually going to be. We get a lot of flashbacks of Kate. It's a Kate-centric flashback episode. uh, As we learn that Kate was on the plane as the prisoner of the marshal. Um, and we see her time before that. So this is the first flashbacks of the series, basically, that don't have to do directly with the plane. So this is where we realize the series is going to show us deeper character moments than just the plane. And a lot of them will have some sort of theme or undercurrent that matches what's going on on the island. But I really liked this episode a lot because they they show us an interesting side of Kate where she is clearly on the run. She goes to work at that farm in Australia. And then obviously there's a big action scene where she's getting turned over to the, the marshal. But I like that we got to know her a bit better in terms of not knowing who she actually is and what she's been through. And she says, you know, I'm Canadian and I've done farm work before and she's working on this farm. So that was all good. And then the whole story with the Marshall dying, Jack trying to save him and them realizing maybe somebody needs to put this guy out of his misery. And, uh, in horrible fashion, Sawyer steps up. And says, I'm going to be the guy. And he doesn't do it. He doesn't do it right. They only have one bullet. And he shoots the guy in the chest. And he puts Jack in an awful position. Who Jack didn't want to have to. You know, euthanize this guy. But now his hand is sort of forced. So I like that we see a bit more of. What kind of character Sawyer is. Through the flashbacks. A lot of Kate centric stuff. And Jack stepping up to have to do it um, even when he didn't want to is kind of a, a big moment for Jack. Uh, Marcella, what'd you think of this episode? I really thought this episode did a really good job of sort of peeling back the onion of uh, Kate Austin. I really like the fact that uh, when she's found out by that farmer, that pig pen, when the farmer tries to press her on her backstory, she is, somewhat vague i mean she gives him details but all throughout the all throughout that scene of her sitting there eating the uh eggs and the bacon it is abundantly clear that she's lying through her teeth 
Yeah, we don't know how much, if any, of that was true. And it's funny how how these first two episodes really play up the 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 danger angle of Kate, right? We, as an audience member who has who who've never seen Lost before, we are led to believe that she's like this hardened, dangerous criminal. But in the flashbacks that we see uh, uh, of this farmer. Uh, when that big action sequence uh, comes about and the truck flips over, Kate goes out of her way to pull him to, to pull him out of his truck. If she was really a hardened criminal, she wouldn't even have bothered uh, with pulling him out with pulling him out of the truck. That's what gets her caught: is that she right. she saves the guy. Even the marshal says on his deathbed, when we come out of the flashbacks, if you hadn't if you hadn't pulled him out of the truck. Uh, you would have gotten away. I really like that aspect of this episode. The other thing that really pissed me off about this episode, I mean, it didn't piss me off, but I was like, you guys know, um, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, that anytime a character wants to fatally kill someone, I always say, go for the head. <laughs> go for the, yeah, go for the head. Right, but the fact that Sawyer didn't go for the head and went for the uh marshall's heart was just bullshit missed yeah (laughs) yeah that was just that that was just bullshit i mean if you want to kill the guy for god's sakes shoot him in the head but i completely understand why damon lindelof wrote it that way because he wanted to hype up the drama yeah and they wanted to show that when push comes to shove jack will do what has to be done even if he doesn't want to it's one of those things where like, yeah, it was so annoying, so annoying, but it, it shows Jack's character where even if it's something awful, if it has to be done, Jack will do it. My favorite episode of these of this batch is the episode called The Walkabout, where, where we peel back the onion and we learn more about uh, Locke and we found out how he initially got on the plane. He is for some reason... Uh, put in a wheelchair and he actually has this boring job at this box company where his dickhole manager gives him bullshit for playing a board game while he's on break at work. That scene really bothered me because it really affects me when able-bodied people bully disabled people and people in wheelchairs because of what they assume we can't do. So, this episode uh, struck a chord with me particularly well because of watching John Locke, you know, have to hunt down that wild boar in, in the jungle, basically, uh, connected with his storyline. Yeah, so episode four is Walkabout, written by David Fury, directed by Jack Bender again, Locke-centric. And what I did like is that, yeah, like you said, it shows the the prejudice of people you know, who are rude to Locke just because of, you know, his situation. And as the episode goes on, we fully realize what that situation actually is. Um, And him saying, like, don't tell me what I can't do. Uh, And that's a character trait of his. But it's also something that I'm sure a lot of people in a similar situation can relate to and feel like stay out of my business and don't put limits on me because of what you think you know you don't know me um and i really liked that about this episode especially you know i remember at the time 
this was like one of those like holy shit episodes when they deny Locke to go on the walkabout and we see him in the wheelchair and it's like what? <laughs> like wait a second and then they cut back to the scene on the beach from the pilot of him wiggling his toes and getting up and then we see the chair there and you're like holy crap like what is going on on this island that now this guy can walk it added another layer of that mystery to the island immediately because now we know what the miracle was that he had mentioned to walt on the beach and uh yeah, it, it really took me aback. I was like, this is this is so cool. Um, and even while Locke is hunting for the boar, he comes face to face with the monster that we still don't don't know what it is. Um, and he basically says, I have looked into the eye of this island and uh, seen, you know, what it's all about. And it kind of shapes Locke forever going forward, this incident where... You know, he realizes this island is something special. Um, he feels like they were chosen to be here. And certainly he's not in a rush to leave at this point. Because he's not sure, you know, if they were to go, would he still be able to walk? So I thought that was interesting. And of course, most of this episode, Jack spends on the beach talking to Rose. And we get to know a lot more about her and Bernard's relationship um, before they they have their sort of funeral effigy where they burn the fuselage and uh, put that sort of stuff to bed. When Locke's storyline was revealed of him being in the wheelchair, I thought that he had a, a disease called polio. Uh, they're very differing degrees of polio. I mean, you can have... You can have Relapsing, remitting polio, which which basically means one day you're able to do this and one day you're, you know, you're not able to do that. One day you can walk, one day you can't mm -hmm. even stand up straight. Right. But as the series uh, went along and we find out what really happened to Locke, which is awful, and we'll get to that eventually. But I was like, that was a really interesting way to take it. Because if I was actually running the series, I would have done that. I would have gone the 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 polio angle and i would have made the island have like this mystical power that that healed him in some way which which when you really look at it the island is sort of mystical yeah, yeah and especially at this point we still don't know you know what kind of supernatural uh spiritual stuff is happening on it and i did like you know in Locke's flashbacks we see how frustrating his day-to-day -day life is partly because of the the constraints people put on him that he doesn't agree with but also we see a really desperate and lonely man when he's on the phone to helen quote unquote helen um and you know it's some lady at a 90 dollar an hour party line or whatever it is um and he thinks you know, hey, I, I bought two tickets for this trip. Do you want to come with me? And she's like, dude, no. Like, this is my job. I just, I talk to you because you pay me. Like, I'm not going on a trip with you. What are you, insane? And uh, seeing that, you know, he has physical and emotional traumas that he's dealing with adds another layer to this guy that we still don't know a ton about 
because it's still so early. I think that the island really built uh, John Locke up to be something that he that he wasn't ultimately. I think that he, you know, is a man that's just looking to be loved and belong somewhere. And I think that his journey throughout the show really didn't give him that. It goes back to the age-old question, what about me? Why are we all here? Right? When we really sit down and think about it, that question is, it, it doesn't matter. The fact is, we are here and, you know, we do the best we can with what the universe has given us. And I really liked that this episode made me think of the philosophical reasons of the meaning of life. It's really intriguing to me that a show like this, a show like uh, like Lost would make me think that. The final episode of this batch that we're talking about is episode five, White Rabbit, written by Christian Taylor, directed by Kevin Hooks, which is a Jack-centric episode where, you know, Jack has been seeing a man in a suit on the island and being pretty freaked out about it. And we don't know why he's freaked out about it until in this, we find out a lot more about Jack's life pre Island, his father, his relationship with his father, his father's drinking. Um, you know, the fact that now Jack is seeing his dead dad on the Island is emotionally troubling to him. Um, but also, you know, he's he's chasing ghosts to try and overcome his grief, figuratively and literally in this episode. And, you know, when he has a talk with Locke and uh, Locke's like, yeah, but this ep- this island is something special. So, like, you might not think it is who you think it is, but it probably is. Um, so I like that aspect. And you know, the pain of Jack opening the coffin and seeing that there's no body in there and that sort of mental breakdown. Fox is awesome in those scenes and learning more about Jack who has been basically like the hero so far of the show and to see a lot more vulnerability in him, especially that scene at the airport in the flashback where he says like, they're, they're going to delay him from taking the flight because they don't have the right documentation for the body to go with him. And he's like, no, I, I need this to be over. Like, I just, my father is dead. I need to bury him and just move on. Like, I can't deal with this and the shadow of, you know, his dad any longer because um, it's just this heavy weight that he's carrying. So I thought that was really interesting. And then the the B story is all about the water that goes missing and people think it was Sawyer who stole it because he's a dirtbag and he set up his his shop with all his items that he's going to barter and trade with people. And then, of course, it ends up being Boone um, who had taken it. So I thought that that was uh, an interesting B story where we see, you know, how life is going to work on the island with trading and needing essential stuff like water like what will they do if they were to run out of water but luckily when jack's off on his white rabbit chase he does find a freshwater stream that scene of jack in the airport begging the uh the 
the the lady to actually put him on the flight so we can get to Los Angeles on time to bury uh, his father. That scene really hit hit a chord with me because I could relate to Jack in that moment because um, the whole process of saying goodbye to my mother after she passed away uh, was like a whole week of hell for me because every day I was like, God, why isn't this over yet? It was, it, it was like, it was like almost, it was agonizing. It was like walking over hot coals. It was so awful. So when Jack had to conf- had to deal with that uh, person from the airline, I really felt for him. Also, this episode does a really good job of showing how reluctant Jack is to become the leader of the group, basically, because all throughout the episode, people are asking him what he thinks about stuff, right? And even yeah. before this episode, when when he came up with the idea to uh, use the fuselage as a as a as a as a final resting place for the bodies, right? Basically, to cremate them. Uh, Claire, um, Claire was the one that said we should do like a like a makeshift memorial, right? Mm-hmm. And she was the one that said to him, "You should speak at it, right?" But even right. then, he was, you know, you know, he said that that's not my thing. That that I don't want to do that. I want to stay focused on getting off of this island, right? right? And I think that this episode did a wonderful job of illustrating to Jack that he is worthy of being a surgeon and he is worthy of being a leader, right? That no matter what his parents or his parent might have said to him, that he is good enough. So just based on that philosophy alone or that lesson that Jack learned in this episode, uh, that's why that this episode is one of my favorites of uh, the three that we looked at uh, this week. Yeah, and I think this is the episode where it is all about Jack realizing that he can be and has to be sometimes the leader, even if he he didn't feel that he was worthy, that he, he is. So that is very dynamic and interesting. So you would say White Rabbit is your favorite of the three? Yes, I would. And I would say, ah, it's a it's tough, man. I I really like White Rabbit. But I also freaking love Walkabout, so it's it's tough. Both of those uh, are two of the standouts of season one, especially as we start to finally like realize like what the show is, um, and the show's finding its way and and doing such a good job, like you said, peeling back the layers of these characters slowly in a way that's gonna really endear them to us over time, and that in the long run is the stuff that rewatching is more enjoyable than just the mystery aspect of what the island is and what's going on. Um, Because the character stuff pays off and getting to know these characters deeper is the reason why this show is worth rewatching and will stand up regardless of how the mystery stuff pays off. The other interesting thing about White Rabbit, did you notice the shoes that Christian Christian Shepard had on? Well, you know, while he was... Well, I noticed he, he was wearing like I don't know if it was like Converse. It certainly wasn't matching the suit. That's for sure. They were white shoes, and the reason why I bring that up is, uh, in the first 
in the first ever shot when of Lost when Jack wakes wakes up in the forest and he starts running, he runs by a pair a, a single white shoe. So I was wondering, was that Christian's shoe? Something definitely to think about. So if you are listening to this and you have any comments, tweet at us. Use the hashtag Radio Eight One Five. Let us know what you thought of these episodes of Lost Season One. Marcelo, if the people want to get in touch with you directly, what's the best way? Yeah, uh, if you people want to get in touch with me and talk to me about Lost, uh, you can reach me at uh, CreekFanatic88. And if you want to reach out to me and talk about this podcast, uh, at Matt Crandall on Twitter. So that wraps up this episode. Um, We will be back next week taking a look at episodes 6, 7, and 8 of Lost Season 1. So until then, as we start to make our final descent, put your seatbacks and tray tables in the upright position. Make sure your luggage is stowed away. And until next time, we'll talk back soon.